Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Welcome aboard. Another edition of Tennis Talk Canada. All set to go. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. Ken is the director of tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. And before we get going, Kenny, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Jim. Lots of tennis being played around the oh. world, so that always makes me a happy, happy camper, that's for sure. Yeah, wall-to-wall stuff, and then we get into really what is three weeks of the U.S. Open. So this is, I mean, this, this is the highlight of the season here, or I guess the, 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 the climb towards the end, right? Absolutely, and you know, it's playing in New York, whether you're a day match or a night match, is really one of those incredible events that, players look for a grand slam in new york it doesn't have the you know the aura of wimbledon or the the mystique of the french open but the u.s open playing in front of those crowds is is in my opinion for the players second to none other than maybe roger federer who just seems to have uh, fallen in love with Wimbledon. I think the rest of them, if you ask, it would almost almost always be the New York. For, for As far as wanting to play in front of crowds, that's the place you want to be, that's for sure. So it's, uh, it's exciting yeah. times in the tennis world. And a big contrast from a year ago. Before we get going, Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice. You can serve a drop shot in your retirement. Let the team on Owl Mortgage show you how to ace your retirement with expert advice and a copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. For your free copy, call Owl Mortgage right now at 416-633-5363. 416-633-5363. So, as we're getting set to uh, recap, Cap the week. I can tell you that right now in TSN two women's singles final or sorry semifinal at the uh, Western and Southern Open, uh, Barty against Kerber is is underway. You can watch that. And uh, the other semifinal goes at three um, and at one on TSN two Medvedev against Rublev in the uh, men's first semifinal. Then later Sissy Pass against Zverev, and that'll uh, start around six. So a full day of action on, on TSN two. That marvelous coverage uh, yet again. And uh, Kenny, in terms of the, the match up here in the men's it's the top four seeds one against four two against three on the women's side uh, much similar to last week in montreal one against unseeded five against unseeded yeah absolutely and you know it's nice to see the top four seeds make it to the semifinals at the western and southern open it's the first time it's happened since it was nadal federer andy murray and Djokovic. so it's been a long time since we've seen it um, you know, I'm, I'm a little shocked, to be honest, at, at some of the, the results in the quarterfinals on the men's side to get through there. Zverev beating Rude by an easy score of 6-1, 6-3. Rude's been on a tear. He won three tournaments in a row prior to the National Bank Open in Toronto. He had a solid showing at the National Bank Open. And, you know, he's a guy seated eighth in the tournament. He's got to do a lot better on the, on the match on that court against Zverev than 6-1, 6-3. I watched all but maybe three points of it, and he just he just is trying to play outside of his comfort zone. Uh, in that semifinal matchup, Tsitsipas and Zverev, um, you know, it's really a coin toss, to be, to be honest. Um, obviously, as Canadian tennis fans, we would have liked to have seen Felix come through and beat Tsitsipas uh, to make it to the semifinals, but Tsitsipas just has a gear right now that, that Felix doesn't have, but he'll get there. He's uh, quite a bit younger than Tsitsipas and quite a bit less experience in the big matches right now. Um, but that's a heck of a matchup, Tsitsipas and Zverev. Uh, if you got to pick somebody, I guess you got to go with the gold medal winner there uh, in Zverev as he won the gold medal at the Olympics 
On the other side of the men's draw, Rublev and Medvedev. Again, the same thing with Medvedev. You know, he beat Karina Busta 6-1, 6-1 in the quarterfinal match. And, you know, first seed against seventh seed, expecting more of a match than 6-1, 6-1. Medvedev, as we witnessed in Toronto, seems to have a gear or two or even three gears that nobody else seems to have right now. He's covering the court like, like I've, I haven't seen before. Maybe Djokovic has covered it the same way. But Medvedev is a much bigger frame, so he seems to do it a little bit easier. Um, his shots, he's, he's changing pace. He's knowing when to attack, when not to attack. And he maybe has the best inside-out slice backhand volley that I've ever seen that'll spin away from the forehand of a righty on the baseline and put him into trouble. Um, Medvedev and Rublev are our best friends on tour, so that's going to be a tough one, the semifinal matchup between the two of them. But it's hard to go against Medvedev. If he plays anywhere close to the way he can play, uh, he should win that match in straight sets, Jim. So let's go back to the quarter last night, and uh, Felix Ogier-Aliassime loses to Sitsipas. Sitsipas wins 6-2, um, There's a bit of an injury problem for, for Felix as well, um, and so let's first of all deal with that and how that would have impacted the result. Well, it looked like, and the report was, the, the low back or the mid back. Um, you know, the problem is you're playing at night, so even though it was warm down there, uh, you get kind of get like a, a night coolness that won't help an injury like that kind of stay warm throughout the match. So that becomes a little bit of an issue for Felix. And then the, um, the washroom break that Sitsi Pass took in between the second and third set doesn't help an injury either as you're trying to, you know, keep yourself warm and, and limber moving on into the third set. Um, so I feel for Felix in those situations, you know, a couple things working against him. Uh, the good news is he showed some fight. He was down two match points in that second set and he continued to, uh, he found a way to battle back and win that, win that set. Um, but I think in the end, uh, watching him, especially moving to his left, to his backhand side, it, it really looked hampered or, or slowed down with the back um, injury or the back tightness, let's call it. I don't want to say injury because it looks to me like it was just tightness and he should be able to bounce back quickly and be ready for uh, the U.S. Open. Um, but, you know, it's, it's pretty much the, the most important part of your body other than your, your dominant hitting arm. Uh, when you're playing tennis because it comes into every shot that you're hitting and it certainly comes into the balls that are high, the serve and the overhead. And uh, it looked like he was really suffering under it. Unfortunately, it's like you're back on a golfer. If your back goes and you're a golfer, you're in big trouble. Same for a tennis player and, and Felix. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it just went at a bad time for him. So learning curve again, um, and, and so in this specific case, and this would apply to everybody but Bianca because she has won a slam, uh, one, uh, you know, and, and, and has conquered that. But but for the rest of them that are on the way up, uh, this is a bit of a, a speed bump for Felix, for, for Pass because Pass has beaten them so many times. And, and when you have that, and everybody's going to have that, um, how, what is the positive you take out of that? Because eventually you have to solve it, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, absolutely. He, he's got to solve it. He's now 2-5 and five against them. He was 2-4 and four going into the match, but... His two wins were the first two times they played, and now he's lost five in a row to Sitsipas. He's got to look at what other guys are doing against Sitsipas to get him off his game or get him in uncomfortable situations. And typically, when you watch Sitsipas play, he does so many things right. But if you can attack him at the right moments and pressure him, mixing in some serve and volleying, attacking to the backhand, and also attacking down the middle, um, you know, years and years ago, some of our older listeners will remember Glenn Michibata, who was a heck of a tennis player, 
he was up one or two or three in the world in doubles for a time. He was a Canadian. He was really struggled in singles because when guys attacked down the middle of the court, he wasn't great at creating his own angle. If you attack down the line on him, he was great at creating an angle or hitting the ball back down the line past you. And with Sitsi Pass, I find that if you're going to attack him, if you can attack down the middle, especially a little bit to his backhand side, it's difficult for him to create that angle himself. Now, that's easier said than done. It's difficult to attack any top player, especially a guy ranked in the top five in the world. But if you can pick and choose your opportunities and kind of make a player like Sitsi Pass start to think about what you're doing and start to feel that pressure on a, a bit more of a constant basis, <clears throat> excuse me, it'll really help you through in, in a match. And I think, you know, Felix has got to go to the tape or his team's got to go to the tape and watch some matches to say, you know, what worked against Sitsi Pass for Opelka? What worked for... Um, against Sitsi Pass for Djokovic or whoever the player is and watch that tape and kind of see, you know, where are the weaknesses or some slight weaknesses that you can really try to exploit in a match. You know, some players, um, Federer being one of them, he really struggled when guys started kicking up high kick second serves to his backhand. So, you know, he realized it, he saw it, and, and he, Federer worked on it because he started to see a trend of guys really trying to do that to him and he started moving forward, taking the ball earlier. So you've got to get on it quickly because Sitsi Pass is going to, you know, it's like a game of chess. You make a move and he's going to start to work on that so that that doesn't happen against him. But it might be good for a win or two against him and then you're going to have to find another area of weakness that you can pick on. So that's really what Felix has to do moving forward against the likes of a Sitsi Pass or a Medvedev. I don't know that Medvedev is beatable by Felix for some time now, just how he's playing. But against that top level player, that's what he's got to start to develop. So we had four stories in, in singles action at the Western and Southern Open this week. Uh, three of them ended early: Bianca, uh, Leila, Annie Fernandez, and, and Dennis. But this is, you know, this is a regular thing. So four stories this week. The next tournament it could be it could be more than four, um, and one gets to the quarterfinals. I mean, you know, it's a great cumulative story. And you and I have talked about this before, but I, I want to restate it. If there was just one, uh, it would be a, a, a much more demanding story on the individual because you'd be looking for the Canadian hope on a weekly basis. Now there's there's you know at least four on a weekly basis and, and so if it doesn't work out it gets put into a, a bigger file because there's four of them and, and there, there's opportunity and, and even though there are setbacks here, you, I mean it's still a positive story as opposed to one person carrying the weight of the country uh, for tennis. I think this is marvelous. Absolutely. And we still have, you know, Rebecca Marino, who uh, did well in Toronto. She won two, two rounds, um, beating women ranked uh, quite high in the world. Um, we have Vashik Pospisil, who will be uh, hopefully healthy and be able to do well at uh, the U.S. Open. Milos Raonic, who's still in the main draw of the U.S. Open. We're hoping that his injury is healed enough for him to play. And, and even on the other side, we've got some up-and-comers like Braden Schnur and Liam Draxel, who we've spoke about, who's ranked number one in NCAA tennis in the USA. And let's not forget the women's doubles side of things right now, too. Um, this week at the Western and Southern Open, we have Gabby Dabrowski, who's into her third final in a row with her new partner, Luisa Stefani. They upset the number two seeds yesterday, 10-7 in the super tiebreaker, winning it in three sets. So, you know... There's great news for Canada, and, and we talked many times about, you know, super semifinal uh, Saturday, and we continue as Canadians to have hopes in around the quarterfinals, in around semifinals, and, and this weekend still with, with Gabby in the women's doubles final, which is fantastic. And Jim, just to go back a little bit, you did ask me earlier about the women's as well. 
the women's semifinals at the um, Western and Southern Open. You know, I think it's high time that Ash Barty start to receive the praise that she deserves for being the number one player in the world. I don't know what it is about uh, the tennis world and, and why she hasn't received that praise for being the number one player and deserving of that number one ranking. I think there's just, you know, it was too much of the Serena Williams show for so long and the Venus Williams show that I think as as fans of the game, people are having a hard time adjusting to new names out there. But Ash Barty is the number one player in the world, deserves to be the number one player in the world, and she continues to prove it almost week in, week out by going deep into tournaments. She's up tight against Kerber today. That's going to be a tough match because Kerber's a, a lefty, which is always tricky to play against. And, uh, you know, she's, she's a phenomenal player in her own right, not ranked as high as she has been in the past, but she's a danger out there. But, again, I, I just, I, and I think I'm one of those fans, you know, that, that didn't give Ash Barty her, her due respect, but I'm certainly doing so uh, over the last uh, month and a half or so, and I'm, I'm just excited to see her continue to do well and go deep in these events. Well said. If you're over 55, you can access the wealth that is built up in your home with a reverse mortgage. Let OwlMortgage.ca show you how to do it with a free copy of the Home Run, the Reverse Mortgage Advantage. Call Owl Mortgage today for a free copy at 416-633-LEND. That's 416-633-5363. Coming up in the broadcast next will be Mark Masters. Later on, Michael Emmett, tennis pro at Mayfair Lakeshore. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. This segment is brought to you by Scoglin Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA? Well, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin and maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan. Consisting of luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019. Speak to Eric directly or check out scoglandhomes.com. Make the right decision around your largest investment. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina, and now Mark Masters from the TSN Tennis Department. Mark, welcome. How are you today, sir? Very well, gentlemen. Good to be with you. Uh, it's uh, always great to talk tennis with you, aside from the other things that we would chat about on other shows. But, Mark, uh, last night, obviously, Felix had a tough time but, but had pretty good battle, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, Stefano Tsitsipas was the better player for most of, of this of that match last night, but somehow Felix Ogiel-Yassim saves two match points, serving at 4-5, 15-40, including an incredible rally, the longest of the match at 30-40 on a ball that uh, Tsitsipas believed was, was out, hit by Ogiel-Yassim. It barely caught the line. He held. He broke Tsitsipas. He forced a third set. Uh, he was also battling uh, some, some lower back pain. He, he described it as lower back tension. He doesn't believe it's going to be a big issue, but it was definitely affecting him in this match. So all things considered, even though he goes down, loses his fifth straight match to Tsitsipas, uh, it's a positive week for Fogel, you see him, and he did show a, a lot of fight last night. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there, Mark. So I'm going to put you on a little bit of a spot here. Nine minutes in Toronto, Tsitsipas left the court in between sets. <laughs> supposedly to go to the washroom, which is about a 15-second walk away. And eight minutes last night, at least, he was gone in between the second and third sets. You know, in Toronto, in his post-match interview, he said, well, it was hot outside, I went inside to cool down, and da 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 Do you think it's time that the ATP Tour and probably the WTA Tour put a rule in place about how long you can leave to go for a washroom break? Yes, 100%. There should be a 
uh, clock. They've, they've put the serve clock there. They got the medical timeout clock. Uh, they really, you know, kind of, you know, crack down on that sort of thing to try and, you know, speed things up and give fans a sense of when points and TV viewers a sense of when points are going to happen. But when Sitsi Pass leaves the court after a set, it almost feels like he's going on a walkabout sometimes and you don't know when he's going to come back. And you saw Felix was standing ready to go. And it, I think it blunted a bit of Oji Aliassime's momentum there. I mean, we see players, you know, all the time go for, for bathroom breaks or, or, you know, after a set, but it's not that long. It's Again, usually there's a washroom right by the court they they go there for a minute they collect themselves they go to the washroom if they have to and then they come back and Sitsi Pass seems to I don't know what he's doing he changes his entire uh outfit sometimes I I, I don't know but yes I, I would agree that there has to I mean I don't know why they wouldn't regulate that when they regulate almost everything else I, I agree with you it's got to be tough on tv too if if you know, if you're carrying it, you're not sure how many commercials you can run. You're not sure when the person's going to come back. I, I'll i be surprised if the ATP doesn't, somebody's got to be pushing hard, whether it's, you know, the, the TV networks or if it's the, the Players Association, because it seems like it's the same players all the time. So hopefully they'll, uh, they'll adjust. Um, Dennis, three tournaments, three first match losses, you know, usually the second round because he's seated high and he has a bye. What do you see has to has to fix there or change there leading into the U.S. Open, another Grand Slam, to try to follow up from his great result at Wimbledon? Yeah, I mean, I when I think about that Wimbledon run, I really feel like he was emotionally a bit exhausted afterwards. Uh, you saw how emotional he was on court after the loss to Djokovic, and uh, it's hard to, you know, I think maybe you, you kind of let up a bit after that, you know, it's, it's his breakthrough event and, it, you, you know, you rest for a second and it's hard to get that edge back. And I feel like he's, he's these last three events. I guess the Gestad one on clay, that's kind of a toss away, but the last two, certainly on hard courts, um, the one in Toronto, he, he just, he just struggled a lot of the conditions and the, the one on, uh, the one this week, uh, he was less forgiving of himself afterwards. You know, I talked to him. It, it ended uh, after 1 a.m. Eastern. Uh, he came right off the court, and he was very upset. I beat myself is what he said. He was, it was pretty terrible, uh, and he's got to make changes because he's not, he's not happy. He's just not, he's not content with that. Uh, and I appreciated, his, you know, his candor there because he, he didn't brush it aside. He, he has big hopes for himself. He has high expectations for himself, and will be will be intriguing. The good thing for him is the U.S. Open tends to bring out the best in him. Uh, it's been historically his best Grand Slam, eleven and four uh, at the USTA National Tennis Center. He made the quarterfinals last year, which prior to Wimbledon was his best Grand Slam result. So uh, he'll be he'll be seated. He has a chance to work his way in, best three of five, even if he's not feeling it right away. But he was he was really upset with himself for for blowing. He had a, he had a break lead twice on Benoit Pair. Now, Pair, you know, you might seem like that's a, uh, that's a tough loss, but uh, Pair goes on to beat John Isner and uh, has really one of his best results in a long time. So perhaps Pair had something going that week, but still you would expect Shapovalov to, to beat someone like Benoit Pair at this stage of his career. So uh, he knows he can be better. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see if he can't get that edge back because I think that's kind of that mental toughness, that edge was kind of, has kind of been missing from his game since Wimbledon. Mark, you know, as part of your TSN tennis duties, you're in constant contact with, with the players and, and coaches, et cetera. And, and I know you've had a number of conversations this week. Can you take us through some of them? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was 
I found it interesting talking to Bianca Andrescu. You know, she loses, uh, just like Shapa, Shapovalov, she, she loses her first match in Cincinnati. She's still bothered by that toe injury, um, but she believes the doctors told her that, uh, that it will be okay for the U.S. Open. She just needs a little bit of rest. Uh, she, just, she made the calculation. She thought about withdrawing from Cincinnati, but ultimately decided she hasn't played a lot, right? We know that. She's been, for a variety of reasons, COVID, a uh, positive test in the clay season, uh, and then there's been physical issues and the pandemic-related concerns. She did not go to the Olympics. So uh, she's been trying to get right, and uh, we saw how emotional she got in Montreal when the toe issue cropped up because it, kind of, it, it, it kind of had that here-we-go-again feeling. So she, she's confident, though, that that won't be an issue. She says it's going to be very emotional to return to the U.S. Open for the first time uh, since, uh, since she won it all in 2019. So that, that, that's obviously maybe the storyline to watch for, for Canada going into the U.S. Open is Bianca Andreescu's return. Uh, she's got a new coach, Sven Gronefeld. They're on a trial basis. Um, obviously, she hasn't had the results yet, and you've you got to think that'll be important for them to have a good experience at the U.S. Open to build on, on what they got going there. I talked to Leila Annie Fernandez. Um, she was not happy. She also lost her first match uh, in Cincinnati, but she qualified. Uh, she lost in the first round, but she qualified. She won two matches there. Uh, she's usually pretty hard on herself, so I wasn't surprised necessarily by that. But but she 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 also feels like someone who needs to get a jump start, right? Um, she she's kind of she won in Monterey, and she hasn't been able to really capitalize on that momentum since then. So she's another player like Dennis, who who's really not thrilled with their form at the moment. Uh, I spoke to Rebecca Marino, uh, and she just arrived in New York yesterday. And that, to me, could be the, you know, it was. She, she, she had the most match wins in, in the Canadian Open of all the Canadian singles players, uh, amazingly enough. She won two matches, two top 40 wins. So uh, she's back to New York first time in a decade, guys. Decade. It's been since 2011. She played Venus Williams at Arthur Ashe in 2010. She's trying to qualify. Uh, it could be a, a feel-good story at the U.S. Open. She says it's kind of crazy that she hasn't been able to play the U.S. Open since she's, she came out of retirement in 2018. Uh, there was there's been pandemic issues. There's been, her ranking has been low. Uh, she's been injured, and now she's finally back in the Big Apple and, and hoping to, to author another kind of feel-good story for Canada. So those are just kind of a, a couple, few of the highlights from, from some of the conversations this week. Yeah, you know, I think uh, to pick a name out of those ones that you spoke to with Leila Annie Fernandez, I looked at some of her stats, and I believe in her in her loss, she only won 27% of the points off of her second serve. So, you know, when you see that number on tour, it, it just really tells you that serves. You know, watching her play, you see it, and when you but you don't realize it until you look at the stats in a match. If she can work on her second serve and take that that serve to more of a WTA level. I think you're going to start to see her results really will pick up. So hopefully she's, she's working on that. You know, with Bianca yeah. as well, you spoke to her, a tremendous amount of pressure going into the U.S. Open because she, she really hasn't been playing well. As you mentioned, she has a new coach. Um, do you think she's going to be able to handle that pressure? We know she handled it in 2019 when they were against her, but now the pressure, you know, when the fans were against her, but now the pressure is there on top of that. And do you, do you think she's got it within her to, to, to have a deep run, Mark? I mean, she has it within her, um, but it's hard to get back. And if she's healthy, that's the, the big thing. I think she absolutely, I think her best tennis is the best tennis you can see on the WTA tour right now. It's just we haven't seen it in a while. Uh, Miami, she was able to find lightning in a bottle, show some, some toughness and grit. She won, I think, 
four three setters in a row, made the finals before another injury kind of stopped her progress in the finals against Ash Barty. So she has it within her, especially on hard courts, to, to get that mojo going. Um, but it's really tough to find it in a tournament. We'll see, especially, she, you know, the woman's two out of three. Um, she, she, meets, she faces the wrong opponent in the first round, second round. I mean, it, it can end that quickly. So, uh, you know, yeah, she definitely has the, the ability. The draw will be important for her, and she's got to work her way kind of into this just because she has not played a lot. I asked her in Montreal, I said, how much has the lack of match play have impacted your ability to figure out tough matches like the match she played against Alain Strauber? And she said, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's different than 2019. She had a lot of a long layoff and came back and won Toronto and won, you know, U.S. Open. It, 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 because she missed all of 2020, it feels like she's she's rebuilding from a further point. So she has it within her, um, but it won't be easy. That's that's for sure. I mean, I, I'm sure it's fair to expect a long run from her, but she's certainly capable of it. So let's chat men's U.S. Open because I know our next guest coming on, Michael Emmett, We'll have his opinion, so I'm interested in yours. Medvedev certainly seems to be playing at a level, as I've spoke about earlier on the show, that is, we just haven't seen for some time. Can he take the U.S. Open title? Can, can he dethrone or stop um, Djokovic from winning the, the slam? What do you think is going to happen on the men's side at the U.S. Open? Yeah, well, he's definitely the guy to do it, isn't he? I mean, he seems to be on a roll right now. Uh, the last few sets he's played, he's just destroying, destroying players. His match yesterday against Pablo Carreño Busta, number seven seed Olympic bronze medalist, was six one six one in less than an hour. I mean, and Carreño <laughs> Busta is a good hardcore player. I mean, uh, we know that. Uh, despite that Spain flag beside his name, he's really good on hard courts. Six three six three against Grigor Dimitrov, who's a former Cincinnati champion. He's just destroying guys right now, and he's five and zero, oh, I think, against Rublev, his fellow Russian, tonight. So I'd expect him to keep kind of carrying on there. So yeah, I, I see it as Daniil Medvedev and uh, uh, Novak Djokovic on a collision course. Djokovic has got to make sure he doesn't. Uh, get himself defaulted, but uh, if he doesn't, he's certainly the clear favorite uh, to make the final, and uh, I think that would be an amazing match. I mean, Medvedev gave Rafa Nadal all he could handle in the 2019 final. He's certainly capable of taking down a big guy. It's tough to do it. until It's tough to, to believe it until you actually do it on the big stage, and he hasn't done it on the biggest stage yet, but boy, is he in great form right now. Yeah, I, I think if it's a Medvedev-Djokovic final, I know it's the U.S. Open, but that would be the tournament's dream to see that. And I think also for television, it would just be incredible because the, with, with Medvedev's attitude and his, his mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he doesn't back down. It would be, it'd be, it'd make for phenomenal tennis entertainment, wouldn't it? Yeah, the fans would be involved. Remember, Medvedev loves to kind of rile them up, and he doesn't mind being the villain. And yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, there'll be twists. There'll be turns. There'll be interactions. Medvedev is really good for tennis, his game, obviously, and also I think his personality as well. So I, I think that would be awesome. Mark, thanks very much. Appreciate it. No worries. And one last kind of shout-out. Gabby Dabrowski might be Canada's best shot for a, for a trophy at the U.S. Open. She's going for another one tonight in Cincinnati. Her and Luisa Stefani got something special going on. Four tournaments played together, four finals reached. We'll see if they can uh, get it done again and win back-to-back titles. Uh, tight in Cincinnati. That'd be great. Thanks again, Mark. Yeah, thanks, guys. 
Mark Masters from our tennis headquarters at TSN. Looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market? Do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Scoglin Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings from the top brokerages in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home. Buyer's representation is a very important thing to do in a hot market, so call Eric directly at 647-300-7019 or check out scoglinhomes.com to get started. And while we're going down that road, if you're 55 and retirement planning is on your horizon, you should read Home Run, The Reverse Mortgage Advantage. It gives you the advice you need to make sound decisions about your future. Call Owl Mortgage to get your free copy today at 416-633-5363. Up next, Michael Emmett. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order, so I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly, adjusted, or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Jim Taddy, Ken Crescini here. This is Tennis Talk Canada. Please have with us Michael Lemmett, tennis pro at Mayfair on Lakeshore. Uh, Michael, how are you today, sir? Fantastic. How are you guys doing? Uh, we've done an inventory. Everything looks good here. Kenny is, uh, <laughs> I think he's faking it this morning. I don't, I don't know. He sounds a little raspy to me. It's such a great time <laughs> to be a tennis fan. There's so much going on. You guys should be on top of the world. Uh, hey, we, we are. We are. And I, I want to throw this at the both of you, and we'll start with Michael. Uh, when I watch Bianca play, uh, it's a little frustrating, and I'm not I'm, I'm not going to go down a negative road here. I just I feel her having the search for, I want to call it tennis harmony and tennis rhythm. So both you guys teach. Uh, and forget it's Bianca. Let's just say it was uh, another player. How would you find the road back to harmony and rhythm physically and emotionally for a tennis player? How does that happen? Well, um, I guess I'm going first. My, my solution would be she's got to get her serve back to where it was in 2019. And I would go back on the practice courts, and I would really get her feeling comfortable about her serve. Her serve was a weapon in 2019. It's just an ordinary middle-of-the-road serve in today's game. And she's struggling um, to find a rhythm. It all, it's just like a golfer. It all starts with the drive. If you're not putting the drive in, in the fairway, you're not going to enjoy. And I just don't think she's putting enough first serves in. She's not getting in a rhythm. Obviously, she hasn't been playing. You know, COVID and injury, she took a year off. So she's got to start to play. But once she starts to play, the absolute most imperative thing for her is figuring out what's going on with that serve. Yeah, and I agree with that. So I'm going to I'm going to go a different route than Michael and I'm going to talk more about in match. I think when she's in match right now, she's still trying to hit the shots that she hit when she was doing the great things in 2019. You know, when you're full of confidence and you're on a roll and you're you're match hot when you're playing a lot of matches, you can try the shots that are a little trickier, the shots to smaller parts of the court. In my opinion, she should come out and hit to fat parts of the court. More balls cross court, more balls to the bigger open spaces, less balls trying to hit behind the player to the smaller part of the court. 
you know, less return of serves down the line. Just stick to the basics and, and, and keep in mind that the basics for a WTA player or an ATP player are much different than the basics for a club player. But the basics of just hitting the smarter shots more often, and I think that will help to build that confidence and get her closer to where she needs to be. So Michael, I think, is 100% right. Spend the time on the practice court working on that, on that big serve to give you some free points and some free head starts and points. And then in the match, play those smarter shots. I think it'll make a big difference. Um, Michael, I got a question for you. You know, players today seem like they, they don't play maybe as many tournaments or they skip Toronto or they skip Cincinnati. But it's been done before where people can come in and play Toronto, Cincinnati in the U.S. Open and do well. You and I have talked and you've got uh, some information to share with us on that front, I believe. Yeah, so if we were to ask the, the listeners right now, who are the three people, it's been done three times in the Open era, to have won the, the Cincinnati-Canada double and then follow that up three weeks later with a U.S. Open win? And, I, you know, I did a little research because I was looking at Medvedev and I was going, wow, this guy, I heard you guys talk with Mark Masters earlier and a Medvedev-Djokovic final would be fantastic. Medvedev looks like he's the favorite to win Cincinnati. And if you win Cincinnati... He will certainly be one of the few guys that looks like he could win the U.S. Open. So it's only been done three times, and I was shocked at the answers. Um, Andy Roddick did it in, uh, in 2003. Um, Rafael Nadal did it in 2013. And Pat Rafter did it in 1998. So those are three guys who dominated their, their generations. But, you know, no Federer, no Djokovic have done the triple. And uh, that's the hardcore triple, and it is a super, super hard thing to do. Michael, I'm going to read uh, Felix's comment after his performance last night. He said, I need to look myself in the mirror and see what I can improve on. These type of matches make me want to be better. I'll do what I have to do to get there. I mean, that, that's an impressive statement and, and a big struggle last night, a big pushback from him, but, but not nearly enough and certainly a learning, uh, a lesson learned there, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I watched every point, um, and it took a lot to get me away from the Jays. So for me to watch every point, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was frustrating. Um, I, I'm super impressed. We you know we were talking about Bianca and her serve. I was really impressed with Felix and his serve. That is, he has really made that into a weapon, and that's how he was winning the the second set was with that big serve. Uh, but he's got to get tougher. Both of our Canadians, Dennis and Felix, it, it, you know, you look at the four semifinalists right now in Cincinnati, and, and all four of them are absolutely tougher than our two Canadians. You know, the two Russians, Medvedev and Rublev, and then Tsitsipas and Zverev. Those guys don't miss under pressure. They know the big points. They put the ball in the court when they have to. And I feel like our guys don't really gear up to those big points. It's just every point seems like it's the same. And you, you feel, you feel the pressure from the other side on those momentous points, on those momentum changing points. And with our guys, it just, I, I just want to see more toughness. I want to see them just say, I'm going to outlast you on this point. I'm going to keep this ball going cross court 20 times. I don't care how long it takes for me to win the point. And they get impatient and they try shots that not, aren't necessarily in their repertoire, kind of like Ken was saying, you know, with Bianca. So, yeah, that, for me, the word is tougher. They've just got to really get mentally tough, and I think they can hang with these guys. Okay, yeah, so, so how do you acquire that toughness there? I mean, uh, sorry, Ken, I just want to jump in there and, and get on that point. How do you acquire that toughness, and how did they get their toughness? Well, it's winning. I mean, those guys are, those. you know, if you take Djokovic out of the equation, those four guys that are playing in Cincinnati today, they're the four favorites. They're the four guys that can 
that have a real shot at beating Djokovic. Um, I don't think you guys would say right now that uh, you know, Felix and Dennis have a shot at beating Dennis in a, in a Grand Slam. But I think those four guys that are playing today are all hot. You get hot by getting confidence and, and just playing and, and seeing your ranking skyrocket. So I think if you know, Dennis came off the semifinals of Wimbledon. He was on a real high. Unfortunately, that high didn't carry over, and now he's, he's struggling again. Um, but that, that toughness comes with, with confidence, being comfortable on the court, and really just doing it week in and week out. Yeah, and I think, too, Michael, I'm going to add practice to that. I mean, you and I grew up playing together, practicing together, and, you know, we became, you know, I think we're both competitive people, but I think the way we practiced made us more competitive and made us tougher. And to our detriment sometimes, as you and I have chatted about, you know, me trying to steamroll my kids in a game of pickup basketball on my front driveway and things like that. But I think, I think for Dennis and Felix, if they're practicing in tougher moments, they're going to play tougher in those moments too. Don't you agree? Yeah, I, I, I for sure agree. I, I, it's, it's really, it's a mindset. It's your, we obviously know those guys are, are competitive. I mean, I, look, Felix is, Felix was super competitive last night, but I, I just, I, I don't think he knows how to do it against the best players. Felix is 0-8 in uh, in ATP finals. So there's something missing. He's lost to guys that he absolutely should be beating. It's it's for sure there's a big part of that that's mental. Um, you know, to get over the hump, he, he had beaten uh, Pass the first two times they played as a pro. Now he's lost five times in a row. So, yeah, these guys are getting better because they're playing more matches and they're putting themselves in those situations week in and week out. So, as I said, I 100% agree. They've got to find ways to put themselves in those positions and make, yeah, play, kid, play basketball with your kids, whatever. You've got to be really competitive in every single thing you do in your life. Yeah, I agree. So not only is he 0 and 8, he's 0 and 16 in sets. He hasn't won a set yet. So he he yes, he's young. Yes, eight finals is great, but he needs that breakthrough. So let's chat champs of US Open. Does Novak win the Grand Slam? Or do we see something happen to him that we saw? Hopefully not as bad as, you know, a couple US Opens ago. Uh, but do we see what kind of the, the breakdown that happened to him at, at the Olympics where the pressure just becomes too much? Or is Medvedev simply playing too well right now? And, and if they do play each other, Medvedev's going to beat him at his own game, so to speak. Well, I think we all thought Medvedev was a super solid challenger for the Australian Open final. And look what, uh, look what Djokovic did to him there. Um, right. Yeah, it's very, it's very easy to look at Djokovic and say, you know, I watched him play against Nishikori in the quarterfinals of the match uh, at the Olympics, and I came away from that saying, that is the best tennis match I've ever seen a human being play. He beat Nishikori 6-2, 6-love, and Nishikori came off the court in his, in his post-game press conference and said, I played amazing, and I just got absolutely schooled. I, at that moment, I thought Djokovic was never going to lose again. Then he lost to Zverev after being up 6-2-3-1. Then he lost to Crano Busta uh, for, the, for the bronze. And then he defaulted out of the mixed doubles. So uh, it, it's been, it was a disastrous 48 hours for him. I don't know how he's going to recover. Um, you know, he won Wimbledon without playing any, uh, any warm-up tournaments. Look, I, I think if you asked 100 people, take the field or take Djokovic, I think it would be split down the middle. I'm going to say Djokovic is the favorite. And I'm, if I had to pick the field or Djokovic, I'd go with Djokovic right now. Look, he's won three grand slams. He's clearly geared up to get to 21. Um, I don't think Medvedev 
really believes he can beat Djokovic yet. And, you know, if he beats Rublev today and beats Tsitsipas or Zverev tomorrow, that's still not beating Djokovic. So my, my gut feeling is Djokovic is the favorite, and he will, in fact, get to 21 first. Michael, thanks for that. I'm taking the field just because Ken has convinced me that Djokovic is now on fumes, so I, I don't know if I should do that or not, but, but I'm going to take the field. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's, that you would be that, – that's a smart bet. You got, uh, you got 127 guys. I got one. So, uh, you know, if Djokovic hits a ball off an umpire's face again or neck, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you take one guy. <laughs> Michael, thanks very much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a good day. Have a great day, guys. You too, thanks. It's Michael Emmett, tennis pro at Mayfair Lakeshore. Um, and yeah, you've convinced me, Kenny, that uh, I'm going to go with the field. I just, I think he's running on fumes. His his string is over, uh, but I hope it isn't. <laughs> I I agree, and I, I I hope it isn't as well. But I just think that the pressure that he's put on himself, and that maybe his team and him have put on himself, is going to be too great. And I just I think he's going to falter. Unfortunately, I think it's just going to overcome him and. Uh, these other guys are gunning for him, and you know, as Medvedev wants to tell you, the next, the next gen, the new, the new generation is coming, and I think they've arrived. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order. I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plans specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at Fox Group P. WM. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Did you know that a reverse mortgage can help you fund your retirement? Owl Mortgage can help homeowners over 55 find out how their home can work for them. Call Owl Mortgage for advice and a free copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage, 416-633-5363. So, Kenny, exactly two minutes left in the broadcast for today. So we're talking a lot about uh, Djokovic, but, uh, you know, Federer and, and Nadal, uh, not there. It's, it's almost like the, the road has been cleared on purpose to have this happen. Yes, absolutely, and I'm sure that... You know, it makes Djokovic's path a little bit easier. Um, but unfortunately for Nadal, the foot just isn't ready to go. He came to Toronto. He practiced hard. You know, I watched him practicing in Toronto uh, one day, and he was hitting the ball, honestly, Jim, better than I've ever seen him hit the ball in his career. Mm. The difference was that he wasn't moving. The guy that he was hitting with had obviously been directed to hit the ball, for the most part, in his wheelhouse, right down the middle. He wasn't really forcing him to move around a lot. And I didn't really even notice it at the beginning. I just realized how well he was hitting the ball, how smooth, how crisp. And then I thought to myself, he's, he's not making a move at all. And that was worrisome. And then he pulls out of the tournament. He then pulls out of um, Cincinnati, and he's now withdrawn from the U.S. Open. So that's a big blow. You know, the sports world will be listening in, though. And this weekend, Nadal's playing in a golf tournament. So golf, obviously, not as strenuous on the foot. Um, so it makes it easier. But Fed's, of course, same thing. The knee's not ready to go. So he's working on the knees, having another surgery. I'm fearful that he might not come back and play. That's the worrisome part on the, on the Federer side of things. But still lots of talent out there to take down Djokovic or challenge Djokovic at the U.S. Open. 
Kenny, thanks again. Uh, great guests, and we had a great conversation. Semifinal Saturday continues on TSN2, and, of course, the finals wrap up tomorrow. And my second favorite show, it'll become my favorite show in about five seconds, Yes Guy is next.